0: Retto, the Wellness Base Camp hits your hometown of Adelaide this weekend. Oh, I'm so pumped, MP. The Brisbane Base Camp was a sellout and the feedback was inspiring. Christine said, keep up the incredible work and energy. You made me feel so, so good. Kira said, I loved all the speakers and the vibe in the room and there were so many aha moments. And Lauren said, no matter how many times I hear each of these people speak, I learn new things and always have action steps to take away. Oh, how inspiring is that, MP? It's great to see this event making a real shift in people's lives, Bretto, so jump on board for Adelaide folks, Kim Morrison, Damien Kristoff, JP and Andy from Smashed Avocado, myself and the hometown hero, Brett Hill. Oh, MP. The Wellness Base Camp, Saturday, April 7th at the Arca Bar in Adelaide. Two-for-one tickets available with the code COUNTDOWN at thewellnessbasecamp.com on Eventbrite or search for The Wellness Base Camp Adelaide on Facebook. The code again is COUNTDOWN with the tickets available at thewannessbasecamp.com on Eventbrite or by typing the Camp Adelaide on Facebook. It's time to be the queen of your stress with the queen of stress, Dr. M.
1: Hey there BQS listeners, I'm Dr M and this podcast is designed to help inspire change in how you see, manage and use your stress so you can be the queen of your stress, not your stress being the queen of you. In this week's episode, it is the second part of our amazing series with the wonderful Dr Damien Christoph. Damien is an amazing naturopath, nutritionist and chiropractor and has been a leader in the wellness space for the last two decades. Having his own TV show, being the co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys, the co-host of 100 Not Out, he's a director and principal chiropractor chiropractor at Vita Lifestyles in Sandringham in Melbourne. He's a sought-after international speaker and an all-round great guy and we were so pleased to have him in the Shell Harbour area only a few weeks ago and even more excited that we got to plug back in to actually record this series uh, around all things energy food and movement as well. So enjoy today Enjoys, enjoy put my teeth back in Dr. M. Enjoy today's uh, podcast. We will be discussing all things food and how to simplify that so you have to stress less about what you're eating. Enjoy. What's your what's the tips when we're looking at so when we're talking about our, about my energy equation which we've talked about on earlier episodes BQS listeners when we talk about energy equaling great food times fitness, times inspiration. So I wanted to, to dive in a little bit, DK, in terms of what's your easiest tips to having a balanced diet? Because there's so much stuff out there that's just goddamn confusing, let's face it. Um, oh, it is. Yep. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It is so crazy. Like I was reading an Instagram post because I did a little Instagram uh, post just before we got on this chat so that I could let people know that's what we're doing. Yeah. It was. Um, but as I was reading this particular post after I did my little video, um, I was reading a head, uh talking about um, plant-based fibers um, being only beneficial in observational studies. And really? he's a paleo head, and he's banging on about plant-based fibers being, um, you know, not really that beneficial and not really that nutrient-rich. And talking about phytates and phylates and oxalates and all these eights, um, and using them as um, um, anti-nutrient, um, you know, chemicals that, that cause disease within the body. So essentially saying that really the only way in which we should be nourishing ourselves with, is with high saturated fat and high levels of protein. <laughs> and again, this is that whole confusing thing because people go, oh, that sounds really interesting. But there's not one single study on the planet that shows that paleo eating um, is the safest or best way to eat for every single person on the planet now when i hear you know rubbish like that that sounds very very convincing i go hang on a second the only studies that have ever been done on the paleo diet have been observational there's mm-hmm. been no double blind placebo controlled studies that i'm aware of that talks about the benefits of paleo over a long period of time and the the confusing thing for the consumer is that they think well if someone Famous and good-looking is talking about this on a particular reality TV show, then it must be true and correct. And then there's books that have been written about it and, uh, and they reference um – Anthropology, and it's a big word. So you think, oh, anthropology. I was written by an anthropologist. That means that somebody studies people that are really old. I'm talking like 2 million years old. These people only lived to probably 35 years old living on the paleo lifestyle. It doesn't mean they died from disease. They might have died from a, t- a saber tiger. But yeah. we don't know whether or not the paleo diet is good long term. And then flip that around, and now let's look at the vegans. Marcus Pierce and I were doing a hundred not out today, and we we're speaking about whether or not any of us know, or any of our listeners know, of any centenarian on the planet that's lived their whole life as a vegan. And the reality is, is that we don't think that there is actually a centenarian in the planet that is vegan. Mm. We don't think there is, and if there is, we'd love to meet them because we'd interview them to find out whether or not they were vegan for the whole of their life, or if it was a choice somewhere. At some point in their life that's you know that's been of benefit to them but you know maybe it's not the only thing that's helped them live so you kind of go all right what do i do do i be vegan do i be paleo do i go somewhere in between and the reality is, is that we probably should be somewhere in between yes we should have good quality proteins and my choice of protein is animal-based protein. That's what I really like. But it doesn't mean that I don't eat plant-based proteins. In fact, mm-hmm. I really enjoy getting access to some plant-based proteins, but I'm going to choose sensible ones. I'm not going to have genetically modified proteins. I'm not going to use things that are highly reduced and expressed and extracted and all that sort of stuff. In fact, one of the grossest things that I ever see is in different people's muesli when there's an expressed fiber like a wheat germ fiber or an expressed rice bran fiber or something like that that's like a exuded um, fiber that's been dried out i think that's gross but some people think that it's healthy because it's fiber but you you want to kind of have a good quality protein you want to have lots of fruits and lots of vegetables now contrary to popular belief just because fruit contains sugar it certainly doesn't mean that it's bad for you if you're having a little bit of fruit every single day let's say one two or three pieces of fruit a day that's probably pretty good. But let's just say your children are eating heaps of fruit. The reality is is that it's actually really, really good for them, really good for them. And you'd much prefer them eating lots of fruit and having the sugar from the fruit than finding other sources of sugar. If they feel that they need to eat more fruit, let them eat more fruit. Encourage them to eat lots of vegetables as well, heaps of vegetables and lots of salads. And then in terms of fat, it's not a ground you know, set in stone rule, like it's not saturated fat for everybody. It's not polyunsaturated for everybody. It's it's kind of based on our ancestry and based on our genetics. And so somewhere between five and 30% of our calories should come from fats. Um, and the safest fat across the board is a, uh, a plant-based raw fat. Um, now, whether or not that's coconut or olive or macadamia or whatever the key thing here is raw if you've got a raw oil going into your body it's better than a cooked oil going into your body by miles and so i, I like people to look at the way in which they're building their meals have foods that are rich in fiber which is plant-based. Um, have foods that are rich in protein that could be plant or animal-based and then make sure that you're getting some kind of fat with it and that ideally that should be plant-based as well but some people can actually benefit from having animal-based saturated fat Um, but not everybody you know maybe 30 or 40% of the population uh, will benefit from some amount of saturated fat and probably only around about 25% of the population will absolutely thrive on uh, animal-based fats.
1: And DK, what's your best way to figure that out? Is it just trial and error or is there an easy way to figure it out? Is it how our bowels move afterwards? Is it how we feel after it? What's your, what's your red hot tip on figuring out where, what your body suits best?
2: there's a really simple way to kind of work out where your ancestry is. And that gives you some clues as to the style of potential style of uh, food that you could eat. And that's just looking at your blood type that, Mm. that, you know, that considers evolution over, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, but the most accurate way to determine what sort of fat you should be consuming is to get a DNA test to actually, Mm. you know, check your genes and, um, it's it's now no longer good enough just to do an observation and go oh well you know that well, let's see how that goes and if that works then great it, you know for only a couple hundred dollars these days you can check your genes you can find out what sort of um, fatty acids are, are most suitable for your body whether they're short chain long chain or if they're uh, medium chain triglycerides or um, or if they're meant to be saturated fat or if they're meant to be polyunsaturated fat you can actually find out all this sort of stuff now uh, with little gene tests and it's yeah. worth actually looking into those.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so sometimes when we start talking in, in, our, in our fancy pants macro words, it's sometimes people that perhaps are listening to, to BQS or one of our podcasts for the first time, they might not be quite sure what you're talking about when we're talking about proteins, fats, um, and carbohydrates. So can you give me a snapshot of what you ate today? Hopefully yeah. the good day. But give us a snapshot of what it – so we just get a feel for what does that look like on a plate.
2: Yeah, beautiful. So this morning I had some poached eggs, avocado and a little bit of toast. Yeah. Um, and that was delicious. Cracked over some, um, what is it, Himalayan rock salt and some pepper. Yeah. Um, I then went and sat with my mum and had a coffee and uh, that was really nice. It just caught up with her for a little bit of time and so that was in itself nourishing and nurturing. Um, it's a really important thing to be able to do that. Spend time with your family.
1: Mm, absolutely.
2: Um, it was probably about an hour after I'd had my food. So you know, ideally you do it about ninety minutes after
1: you had your food. But that's coffee. That is not visiting your mum.
2: That's right. You don't get a stitch from
1: visiting your mum ninety minutes after food.
2: No, <laughs> don't need to move your bowels after seeing your mum either, usually. <laughs> mate. Or maybe you do. <laughs> Not my mum. Depends
1: what she's talking to you about. I That's guess. Right,
2: could give her the irrits, but doesn't always. And then um, after that, I had uh, chicken and coleslaw, uh, kind of like a salad kind of thing. It was um, like a na- it was a naked burger. Nice. Uh, what I had at the local. Um, uh, restaurant, because uh, I had a meeting today with Ian, and oh. uh, so that was kind of cool. And then um, we're just about to sit down to a beautiful uh, little uh, zucchini pasta meal tonight, um, in which case we're just going to have some bocconcini, so dairy-based cheese, and uh, some basil with some pine nuts and olive oil um, and some chopped tomatoes. That's what we're going to have tonight. And so. Really okay. simple, and so people go. Well, where's your carbohydrates? Well, carbohydrates in that in all of those meals. I had some bread with my um, my breakfast. Um, I had some uh, some coleslaw with my lunch, and then this evening I have the zucchini and the tomatoes, and that'll be my my carbohydrate. So relatively low in carbohydrate, not really high. I could increase that you know carbohydrate value by having some uh, rice, or I could have some you know, different types of pastas, I could do that. I could have some quinoa or some amaranth or millet. I could do those sorts of things. Or if I wanted to, I could have some legumes. You know, I could have some beans or I could have some lentils. And that would also give me some carbohydrates. Now, many people would think, well, beans and legumes would be a source of protein. Uh, Well, they kind of are, but you need to have beans and legumes combined with um, quinoa. And so the combination of quinoa, and beans and legumes or brown rice with beans and legumes will give you a full amino acid complement and that'll give you essentially a full protein like you get in fish or chicken or eggs um, you'll get that by combining two different types of carbohydrate fuels um, but so i've got my vegetables they're a carbohydrate got my proteins which was the eggs or the chicken um, or the cheese tonight, yep. and um, and then my fat. We'll put olive oil through this particular meal. Um, I used olive oil on my eggs this morning, and I didn't add any extra oil to my, um, my naked burger because I figured that it would already have some oil in it, so yeah. I didn't need to add anything else to it.
1: Which brings me to an interesting point because I know lots of people get stressed out about eating out and I know you have some simple rules when it comes to that mm-hmm. um, because I, I think you touched on it earlier. One of the most important things that we're doing when it comes to food is that it's a social thing. I love I love your line of you'd much prefer to share a pizza with friends than drink a kale smoothie on your own in the corner. Okay. Um, how, how do you take the stress out of eating out? Because I know lots of people are just trying to make change and they, they feel like they need to reel it in or, or make changes that might not feel like they're going to be easy to make. Have you got some good rules of thumb that people can implement straight away when they're going out just to make it a bit easier?
2: Yeah. Look, I always look for the meal that's got a simple protein of sorts and then a bunch of veggies. That's what I look for when I head out. So there's always fancy pants meals. You know, there's always something pretty flash. And you kind of go, ooh, that looks amazing. If you get to one of those nights and you feel like having one of those nights, go and have it. Like, it, you know, as long as it's with your mates and it's not by yourself, then that's fine. But if you're by yourself and eating out at a restaurant, choose the healthiest thing that there is. And so it's going to be vegetables or salad with some kind of protein. Yes, it may be boring, and yes, you might be paying a bit of extra money for it because it's lots of vegetables, but at the end of the day, your body will thank you in spades. And uh, and so I always will choose the fish or I'll choose um, a nice cut of red meat. Um, I love having kangaroo when I get a chance to see it. Um, If I'm out for breakfast, I love having a little bit of bircher. Um, Generally, I'll choose eggs if I'm out for breakfast, but I do enjoy having a bircher muesli. Um, and, um, that's it, kind of where I go, but if your eyes are focused on the foods that you can eat, then you don't worry about all the foods that you can't eat.
1: And, Absolutely.
2: Um, it's just a, a nice way to look at it.
1: Absolutely. And it's simple things like, for example, one of the things that I try and do, I, you know, and your, your bunless burger reminded me of it is I, I used to love eating burgers way too often, burgers. way, way too often. It would have been my go-to happy place. So yeah. I can still have a burger. I just ask them to leave the bun off. Yeah. And Last week it actually happened where they left the bun on. It was pretty simple. I just didn't eat the bun. So just just move the bun plate, aside. Just even
2: if that's it. too hard for you, just eat half the bun. You, yeah. know, it's, you still get the flavour, but you've
1: done 50% better than what you would have otherwise done. So, absolutely. And it's know, about just, that incremental improvement, isn't it, that it's not yeah. beating yourself up um, either way. Yeah, absolutely. Count your wins. Chalk that's, them up. Yeah, I love it. What's your take on alcohol, DK? Oh,
2: alcohol makes life easier, doesn't it, <laughs> Doctor M? <laughs>
1: that's, that's on occasion, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> oh, look, alcohol is interesting. You know, um, I think if you're an overconsumer of alcohol, then of course there's uh, there's dangers, there's toxicity, there's liver failure, there's all that sort of stuff. There's um, emotional stuff, there's depression. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens with the overconsumption of alcohol. A cheeky little drink with your mates is probably good fun and and not unhealthful. Um, and then if you look at the people that live a long time, they consume alcohol pretty much every single day and large amounts of it. You know, they drink quite a lot, maybe a mm-hmm. bottle a day. Now, doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you. It's just that you've got to put a frame of reference around it and what's the context for you drinking alcohol. Are you sneaking a drink in by yourself? If you are, you know, maybe that's something you want to consider doing something about. If you're not, then maybe it's, uh, it's, it's probably all right. You you know having a little bit of alcohol with your mates, not getting trollied or absolutely smashed, then uh, that's probably fine as well. Um, just keep in mind that alcohol is, of course, a calorie. And uh, if you try to lose weight, it's highly likely that you'll stop losing weight for a couple of days after you've had a bit of a bender. So just be careful um, and just be you know, mindful that it, it is toxic on the body and the body will try and remove it. It is a drug and the body needs to clear it out. So mm. don't, don't kid yourself. Don't think it's healthy. It's definitely not. No. Um, not not have a long ever. time still
1: have it. Absolutely. And so would you say, like, if you're feeling dusty and hungover the next day, is that an indication you've had a few too many sherbets the night before? Or can that just be a, a combination of other factors?
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's possibly both, you know. Like some people, when they've had a couple of extra drinks, they sleep on their back with their mouth open and they, you know, dry out a little bit so they can feel a bit dusty and it feels like there's been you know, talcum powder pour down their throat. So that that can be...
1: Oh, other people feel like that. That wasn't just me. Okay, good, good.
2: I was using your example because oh, right, I've didn't. Okay. i never experienced what you're right. talking
1: uh-huh.
2: about. Right, yeah. Uh, so, but the other thing is too that um, sometimes people's tolerance is poor. You know, they, don't, they just don't tolerate having much alcohol in their lifestyle. And if that's the case, just honour it. You know, if your body's not able to handle lots of alcohol, it's not able to handle lots of alcohol. That's okay. Um, gone are the days where we see peer pressure. Yeah. You know, to drink Absolutely. alcohol. It's just if Absolutely. you're still seeing peer pressure to drink alcohol, then it's probably the person pressuring you that's got the problem.
1: Yeah, which I think we probably touch on when we get to inspiration. And one of the things that um, I think as perhaps as we get older and wiser or more mature or something like that is that it's easier to say no. So one of the things I find is there's there's a lot of wines that actually I'm, I'm a red wine drinker when I when I enjoy a red wine, or a yeah. drink, yeah. and uh, there's certain red wines that I can literally smell and go, no, nah, that's going to set my sinuses off. I know I'm going to have a headache and I just don't drink them. Had that happen? and at an event i was at last night I, I literally had a glass of wine poured for me i smelled it i went oh no that's bad i put it down because um, it just wasn't it wasn't worth the headache today for that moment of carrying around a glass of red wine so that's it, just
2: that's, respecting yourself isn't it that's all it is, yeah. is you know showing your body respect
1: absolutely and whilst we're talking about fun things that sometimes we can get overboard with what's your take on chocolate
2: Well, I often ask people when's it okay to have chocolate for breakfast
1: because I'm trying to work it out. It's coming up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely (laughs) is. It definitely is. Um, So I... I think that the least processed the chocolate is, the more information it gives you. And you want to listen to your food. Your food should better tell you to stop eating. And if it tells you to stop eating and you ignore it, then you deserve the consequences. But if you listen to your food and it tells you to stop eating and you stop eating, then you've done a good thing. But you've got to give your food a chance to tell you to stop eating. Now, I use this analogy in my Power of Food talk, Doctor Em. You would have heard me talk about this. Week. Absolutely. Um, when I was with Brett Hill and Lawrence Tam, as the wellness guys, we did a, a little presentation for a group called Beach Energy. Uh, it was one of our corporate talks that we did, and we uh, we loaded up eighteen apples, put eighteen apples on a uh, in a pyramid, and those eighteen apples looked fantastic. Um, and I asked anybody in the audience if if uh, you know, if they if they walk past chocolate, do they put on weight? And there was a lady at the back of the room who said that, yes, she does put on weight if she looks at chocolate. And so I said, oh, come on up. And I asked her to eat all 18 apples. And the relevance here was that the comparison to the 18 apples was uh, two bags of chips. Wow. And uh, so I got two little bags of chips. And I said, who in the audience here can eat whatever they want and, um, and not put on any weight? And this skinny little bloke um, put up his hand and He said, yeah, it's me, it's me. And so he said that um, he could eat whatever he wanted and not put on weight. So I said, can you eat these two bags of chips? And so he polished off those two bags of chips and ate them. And, and the chips didn't scream out at him and say, "Don't eat me! Don't eat me! Don't eat me!" In fact, I noticed that at one point he was licking his fingers and licking the inside of the bag to get all of the all of the oh, msg sort of like stuff <laughs> off. So there was definitely no improvement in intelligence, and certainly no improvement in information that he was receiving. In fact, he was probably having a deficiency of information, so he's craving more information. And he thought if he licked the bag, he'd get some. But um, I looked over the lady. who said that she put on weight and uh, from from looking at chocolate and she got through one and a half apples and the thing that she mentioned was that it felt like she couldn't eat anymore essentially she was saying that the apples were communicating with her saying you've had enough now and uh, so she stopped at one and a half apples the same amount of calories uh, of 18 apples is the equivalent of two bags of chips.
1: Wow, isn't that, isn't that like just mind boggling? Right. And when you're saying that the, the apples are talking to her, like just for BQS listeners, he's, the little apple is not literally talking. It's starting to, the gut and brain are actually having a conversation together, aren't they, DK, where they're actually having a conversation that they're good? Yeah, yeah. It's an internal is, conversation.
2: Yeah, it's communication. It's, yeah. And communication's great. And, uh, and the sharing of wisdom is important. So if natural foods are sharing wisdom, um, your innate wisdom, the wisdom that's inside your body will be improving as well.
1: I love that, and I and I think it's about keeping it simple, isn't it? Without going overboard on any of these things. And swear, I, I get, uh, I get worried, and I, I get, uh, or I almost go into overwhelm when I see some of the new things that come out, particularly over the last probably five years or so, with all the kombuchas, the scobies, the keffers, the, you know, there's all these healthy, healthy foods that even bone broths to an extent that people are almost looking down on you if you're not actually consuming this throughout the day. How necessary do you think that stuff is for day-to-day people that are are pretty healthy, they don't have any massive gut issues going on? Is that something we should all be consuming on a daily basis or is it something we can just let go of and not be too stressed about?
2: Well, there's definitely um, a role to be. uh, There's there's something to be said for a broad-spectrum or a great or broad diversity of bacteria in our gut. And so diversity in our gut is brought about by lots of different types of foods being consumed. So if we limit our diet to just a few types of few foods, then... The challenge that we face is that we decrease the diversity of the bacteria in our gut. So there's ways in which we can increase diversity in our gut, and that is to broaden our food palate, eat different foods, eat different resistant starches. Um, that could be anything from a a yam to a tuba to a, to rice or to you know, um, sweet potato. All those sorts of things are yeah. resistant starch. You can have all those sorts of things, um, but you don't necessarily have to drink kombucha. In fact, kombucha is just a, a sweet fermented tea. Um, and in many cases there 's not really a whole lot of bacteria left in it or or fermentable um you know items left in that in that bottle if you 're buying a commercial one so you don 't have to do lots of it in fact, really like to get benefit from kombucha it 's maybe ten to fifteen maybe twenty five mils per day not Mm. 375 middle bottles, you know. Yeah,
1: so if you're seeing people sucking on those, the commercial bottles that are at cafes now that are, you know, promoting to be super healthy, if you're sucking on a few of those a day, probably not the best bet.
2: Mm. No, definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. And then I also see heaps of people, you know, chowing down uh, kimchi or chowing down sauerkraut, you know, at a rate of knots, hoping that their gut's going to heal. And that may not be the case either because there could be some, you know, dysfunction with The microbiome and and if your microbiome's in dysfunction in other words you've got bloating or distension, or your bowels aren't working really well you've got eczema dermatitis all that sort of stuff if you go straight to the fermented foods it can be quite challenging for you Mm. you might in fact have leaky gut and then start to poison your blood with bacteria that's kind of not meant to be in your blood so i don't recommend people just go straight to the fermented foods straight away
1: yeah Um, it's like going from naught to 100 without actually clocking through the other steps
2: Yeah, exactly. So learn to be able to digest real food first, like fresh food first. And if you can get to the fresh food first thing and then maybe try a little bit of raw food and see how your body goes. If it goes well, then maybe you can step into some fermented stuff. You don't have to eat it all the time. It's just a little bit every now and then.
1: So BQS listeners, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Remember when it comes to our food, simple rules make life a whole lot easier. And your action step for this week is just to pay attention Pay attention to are you overcomplicating your food each week? What areas can you work on simplifying it? Because really, by simplifying it and not being too extreme at either end of the spectrum, can make it sustainable, fun, and social when it comes to eating and enjoying and nourishing not just our bodies but our souls. Your action step, as I said this week, is just to look at what areas can you simplify in and to finish. This week's top five is, uh, and it will be my top five this week because next week it will be DK's top five, is in terms of music this week, High Rotation has been back to uh, Sagala's Tell Me You Love Me. I do like that track. It's very got a very summery feel. Book this week is, I'm going to admit it, I got stuck into a Netflix or two this week versus reading. De-stress this week is it's actually the Easter long weekend and just resting and recharging with my family, which is fabulous. Uh, Quote of this week is, the best preparation for tomorrow is doing your best by today, which is a Jackson Brown Jr. quote. I have said that quote before, but I really quite like it. And my final thought for this week is when it comes to our food, remember it's about nourishing our bodies and our soul and being having human connection whilst we're eating it's not just about food being fuel it's actually about food being nourishment for our for our bodies and our soul so enjoy the rest of your week bqs listeners bye for now